0: Ever see places with very refined instruments? And so you're used to when you're a kid, when you think of, let's say, uh, very refined instruments, you have lots of adjustments and lots of dials and knobs and gauges. But often you'll find by very refined pieces of equipment, there's really essentially just a, there's essentially an on-off and maybe one, you know, one adjustment because the that's all that matters. And a lot of times, if you see. Uh, uh, a lot of things in this world are made to are made to distract your attention from what you're doing. I come from a family with a, a congenital um, affinity for pinball machines, several generations. And the thing is that uh, they almost don't exist anymore. Most of the kids won't know what they are. But if you ever notice them, what they do is they're fantastic because they have lots of lights and buzzers and bells and all kinds of incredible things are happening, flashing things. and, and What's interesting is that the majority of the things that happen to the pinball machine have nothing to do with the game that you're playing. The majority of the things that go on have one purpose, and that is for you to look at them rather than to look at the game that you're playing. They want you to take your eye off the ball that that you're controlling. Most of the things that happen, most of the things that happen are just to get you, to distract you, not to look at the ball that you're playing. Now it's a funny thing because if you, if you get the trick and you just concentrate on the ball, it's, you might win more. It's not, the game's not quite as much fun because it's, it's fun having all the flashing things and all the bells, etc. And when people get very good, they actually can do both. They actually concentrate on the ball and somehow still get the, the benefit from all the flashing lights. But the truth is, if, you, if the point was for you to win the game, you keep it on. And that's what I noticed when I was, when I was a kid. When you saw the people who really knew what they were doing, they, the, you were busy looking at all the things that were flashing and beeping and, and going... They were, they were only looking at one thing. They are only looking at the bomb. Uh, a lawyer who studied with us in the yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, years ago, told us the following story. I assume it was about his boss, I think. But the story he tells is that his boss was the... Uh, was the I think his boss was the... Def- and I can't remember who, who his boss was. He was. I don't know which side he was on, but here's the story. At the, at five, at the end of a, of a trial, a person was accused of murder. Yeah, it's a very serious thing. And so you have the you have the defense and the prosecution and they're making they're giving their their, you know, final arguments in front of the jury. And obviously the prosecution wants to demonstrate that the uh, you know, that the accused is guilty. And the defense wants to show that the accused is, is innocent or should be acquitted. So the prosecution gets up and really just, you know, Blows everything away, has argument after argument. It's just so clear that the person who was accused was the person who did the murder very hard. didn't he, you know, clear and uh, a cogent argument in front of the jury. It looks like nothing doing. The defense lawyer gets up and he says, you know, I just want, you know, I want you to know that the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, in the no, my, my, you know, the prosecutor, I you know is giving you very powerful arguments. I know everything looks terrible for my client at this point, and that point, and this point. He said, "But I want to demonstrate to you anyway that you cannot convict my client." And the reason is because the law demands, and to accuse somebody of a crime of murder, and to give them capital, you know, give whatever to find them guilty of a capital capital crime, you have to say that what your conclusion is, you know, uh, beyond reasonable doubt. There's no reasonable doubt in your mind that this person was guilty. There's no reasonable doubt. And if there's reasonable doubt, no matter how strong the case is against my, my client, you're not allowed to find him guilty. And I want to show you that you have reasonable doubt. That's all. And if you have reasonable doubt, the lawyers, you're not allowed to find him guilty. So the guy, raises uh, very excited, he says, like, says, the reason I'm going to show you that reasonable doubt, because in one minute, I want you to, I'm going to count to three, and the person that my client was accused of murdering is going to walk in that door. So everybody's freaked, he says, one, two, and the entire courtroom, you know, just turns to the door, you know, expecting to, to see the deceased walk in, and nothing happens, of course. So then there's like this, you know, silence, and the defense attorney says, now, I know that the person didn't walk through. But he said, but I have demonstrated my point, he says, because after all the arguments that you've heard, They clearly showed that my client was guilty. After I told you that the deceased was going to walk into the door, every single one of you turned to the door to see if he was going to walk in. So he it's clear that you have reasonable doubt. And and therefore, you're not allowed to to find my client guilty. So I don't know how the procedure is. Whatever it is, you know, the prosecution is able to get up again somehow. He says, I want to compliment my colleague on his credible courtroom presentation, he says. But I just want to tell you one thing. You shouldn't believe what he said, and I'll tell you why. He said, when he was counting to three, I know that everybody turned, but I want you to know, I didn't look at anything when he was counting except one place. I looked at the accused, he said. And when he counted to three, although everyone in the courtroom besides me and him looked to the door, I looked at him, and he didn't look at the door. (laughs) Because he knew the guy's dead, (laughs) he says. And therefore, there's no Therefore, there's no. Uh, therefore, there's no uh, reasonable doubt. So, otherwise, I was the last what I was saying. The, um, uh, huh? Oh, so that's the point. So, the thing is that the thing is that when a person uh, a person comes in this world, a person understands what their a person understands what their job is. And the world's job is to, is to distract you and to create a create a doubt, to create a friction, to create a, a conflict. And here, yeah, before you came here, before we came here, everyone knew exactly why they were coming here. It was crystal clear. It was crystal clear. And they weren't gonna be involved with all kinds of stupidity. They know this, this is not gonna get anything, that's gonna get anything. If you ever saw a person that has a purpose, they don't go anywhere. They go exactly to do what they have to do. Imagine you have to go behind enemy lines during the war in order to procure, let's say, medicine for people who are dying, or to procure information that's gonna that's gonna save lives, or or, or uh, etc. Or to or, or to or to or to free prisoners and save their lives. When you get over those lines, they so say, "Hey, why don't we go see a movie?" Yeah, yeah I'm not seeing any movies. No movies. I'm over here. I'm going where I'm going. I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna get out. Yeah, but how about, how, about a little, how about a little ice cream soda? He says, how about when we get back, okay? And the person knows exactly what they're doing. And so the whole world is here. says, "Then the whole world, the whole time of the year, you know exactly why you came. You know what? All that stuff, that does nothing. That's a, that's a bell. That's a, that's a whistle. That's a buzzer. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing here. It has nothing to do with it. But here, but the HR's job is to show you, listen, don't you think it isn't important, you know, how about art? You know, how about art, and how about science, and how about, uh, there, you have all these things, the HR will show you all kinds of things. How about, you know, human relationships, and there? And uh, you know, so it'll, it'll create a doubt in your mind, So, wow, maybe that's really not what life was about. So the person has to remember why they came. That's exactly the point. It's, it's, clear, it's, it's, clear, it's clear as a bell what we're doing here. That's the point. Any person comes to this world, they know exactly what they're doing. All that, that stuff is just a distraction. Now, it happens to be that it happens to be that it's rather complicated because like we've been discussing over the last few weeks. According to the Torah itself, the thing is, you do need to eat and you do need to laugh, and you do need to sleep, and you need to see other people, and you got to smile, and you have to have all these. You have to have all these things to the degree to the degree to the degree that a person is human and hasn't graduated to the to the human malach level. All those things, all those things, are part of your Bodhisattva. But it's a very slippery slope because you don't know is this button a fake button. Is this just another bell that does nothing and, and, and does nothing but distract me from my purpose, or is this the use of this world, which is essentially a support of, the, of uh, a support of my purpose? So it's 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 a, it's a tricky thing. All a person can do, is, and that's why and that's why that's why to live properly demands such a high level of consciousness. A person has to be about it every day. My rebbe said to, said, to, said to me said to us he said here he said if you want to be religious you have to start over every single day. He meant it. He didn't, when he said stuff like that, he wasn't speaking in an exaggeration. He meant start over every single day. Now, most people don't want to do that. That's a lot of work. But if you realize, if you hang on to yesterday's beliefs, here, what are you you going to do? Can 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 you imagine living your life with the understanding you had when you were six? It would be idiotic. You wanted your philosophy of life to be what you understood when you were six years old? That was fine when you were six. And the truth is, as insane as it is, to be now living your life as a grown person with a six-year-old's philosophy, even yesterday's is, is as insane. Living with yesterday's understanding is equally insane. I'm unclear what I just said. As crazy as it sounds for you as an adult to be living with the six-year-old's understanding, living with yesterday's understanding is just as insane. Perhaps more for reasons that I'll discuss. Belinda. Perhaps even perhaps even more insane. The only way that a person, the only person, the person going to live a, a a a sane life, etc., every single day, the person have to evaluate. Here, have you ever, ever you ever you ever you ever dealt with it? Well, if you ever watch anybody, that has to, that's, that has to have data. They don't. They don't they, what do you mean? Intelligence is, is up to the second. They're updating. They're updating minute by minute by minute. The world changes. <laughs> Go trade stocks with with, with with the data from an hour ago. Are you nuts? Nobody would do it. Would you do it? Nobody. Nobody. From an hour ago, you'd be insane. You're going to buy and sell. You. oh, oh do I got to print out from an hour ago? In, the, in our world, that's a million years. Who knows what happened? So anyway, my, my simple point is that, the, that the, the, if we understand, the world was built with many things. that the, I want to explain it's, it's as simple as that, that they're distractions. The complication is that the same things that are distractions are often the very components that we need for our Bodhisattva Hashem. So it takes constant evaluation. And you realize that it could be that the thing that yesterday was a component in your Bodhisattva Hashem, today, is a distraction. It could be, It could be yesterday, the thing that was a distraction, today, is... Is an, is an element of your Avodah HaShem. You know, it's certain things are not like that. In general, you know, in general, let's say, eating eating, eating Chazar is always going to be not, always, is always not going to be part of your Avodah HaShem. You know, probably most of the days of your life. Tell huh? Tell I'm saying, yeah, all the days. Yeah, I said, yeah, that's even that, you know, that's questionable, you should know, but people say it. Okay, but I'm saying, but whatever, you want, but yeah, it's most likely you'll never have a day where it's part of your Avodah HaShem. Most likely, I mean, it's HaShem, you shouldn't have any emergencies, etc. It's most likely it'll never be part. So now, so I'm saying, but but it could be, could be one day's part, but, they, but but even yesterday things of distraction could they be a part mm-hmm. of the avodah? What was in the Navodhi yesterday? Could they? And that's the mistake. Saying, it, it could have been for the last hundred days of your life. This was Mamar's part of the today, But today, it's already going to take you away from the avodah. So that's why nobody. You, the only way to live is for a person to, to reevaluate really every single day of their lives. Every the truth is every single minute. Okay, but we're, we're human. But every single day of their lives, and if a person if a person reconnects. Every single day says, "Who am I? Who, who am I? Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going to? Why am I here?" And I know these things are as, as, as simple and mundane as that sounds. That's what has to happen every single day. And the answer will not be exactly the same. Yes, in general, we know what's going to be same. But when it comes to the details, it's not a person to, to refine it, and the refinement each day is what's going to make a successful living. That's what i was going to say. So just to, uh, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a point where, my joke was the point I was saying, here, there's, there's a point where, the point where the, Hashem makes the world such a way is going to create a doubt in your mind. You've got to be smart enough to see, is it real or is it just another, another subterfuge? Is it just another trick of the Yetzirah to make you, you know, to make you, to take your eye off the ball, to make you veer from the path. We know exactly what we're doing here, why we came. You want to get here, get what you came for, and uh, live a very long time. <laughs> And good health and happiness, and whatever. And then, whatever, whatever, whatever we whatever, whatever we do it, we'll be happy with what we accomplished. I can <laughs> you say you have a lot of kids, right? you have to say you're going to live forever to the kids? I can hear. You said, when you, you to ask away, you're going yeah. you to live forever? Yeah? I'm not hear you ask. They said that is about like have a lot of kids, right? The Jews have that kids because they because they, they, have kids. Go ahead. Right, but it's not, it's not about you're going to live forever through them. No, that's not the point. Because we have a DNA, you a DNA. Not point, no. huh? That's not the point, no. That's not the point. that was your mitzvah. That's not the point. Not internal in to life. Is, it is true. It is no. Eternal no. life is what God gives to you. Because it yeah, happens that a person has merit from their children. That's true. That's Never. true.